I'm Gary Bard, founder and editor-in-chief of today's Caregiver Magazine and Caregiver.com, and your host for our weekly caregiving podcast series. In this podcast, we will introduce you to many of the leading caregiving thought leaders, authors, experts, and even caregivers with famous faces who have graced the covers of our magazine. I'm pleased to be talking today with Dr. Richard Durant, Director of the Caregiver Support Initiative and Associate Professor of Clinical Neuropsychology at the State University of New York, SUNY College at Plattsburgh. And it's a pleasure to talk with him on so many levels. One in particular is that the Caregiver Support Initiative that he leads uh, is a 2019 Today's Caregiver Magazine Caregiver Friendly Award recipient. So welcome, Dr. Durant. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Gary. Uh, Dr. Durant, what is the Caregiver Support Initiative? So the Caregiver Support Initiative is a New York State Department of Health-funded program uh, that covers all of New York State, and the uh, State University of New York College at Plattsburgh received, uh, applied for, and was awarded, I should say, the uh, the grant to handle this program in six counties in northeastern upstate New York, uh, which include Clinton, Franklin, Essex, Hamilton, Warren, and Washington counties. And those are six of the most rural counties in New York State. Um, and so essentially the funding goes to support services for caregivers of people who have been diagnosed with any form of dementia uh, or memory loss problems. And we provide a range of services uh, under the grant to include care consultations, caregiver support groups, individualized and group caregiver training and education, uh, memory cafes. We also have a program called Project Lifesaver, which is a geospatial or geolocation monitoring device. So for folks who have dementia who wander, it essentially helps track them down if they're lost, uh, basically tells where first responders where the person can be found. We've had some great um, some great stories that have emerged from that, from actually preventing somebody, uh, preventing loss of life, being that we're so rural. Um, and in addition to that, we uh, provide family consultations, and uh, we have a volunteer respite program, which we've launched this year. We have what's called the um, contract respite services, where we, we actually pay for caregivers to hire someone to come in the home uh, to provide respite services. In other words, take care of the care receiver while the caregiver uh, attends to uh, quality of life issues. So, uh, attend medical appointments of their own, go shopping, take little vacations, whatever it is that they need to do. So what message do you have for family caregivers about the value of respite? I would say that the biggest value in respite is that it provides... The, the caregiver an opportunity to take care of themselves. And in doing that, they can provide better care, more effective care for the person who has dementia. In order to be a good steward of someone else, you have to be a good steward for yourself. Tell me about the Memory Cafe. I've heard about those. I love the sound of it, and I'm, I'm just not sure what they are. Sure. A Memory Cafe is an event, it's a group event, where both caregivers and care receivers attend, and they join other caregivers and care receivers in a fun activity, an activity that essentially gets them all engaged together. And, a, and a, an example of that would be uh, some of the paint activities that happen. So 
everyone gets together and canvases and paints and brushes are provided and they paint pictures uh, of different themes, perhaps something from their youth or from their life and middle age. Um, there is typically entertainment and food there. And it's, it's an opportunity for caregivers and care receivers to network uh, and to provide peer, I guess, peer support and socialization. What have you heard from family caregivers about working with the Caregiver Support Initiative? We have heard uh, some pretty pretty wonderful things. Uh, caregivers are who feel overwhelmed have said that it's changed their lives from where their lives were uh, before they were involved with the Caregiver Support Initiative. Uh, other types of comments have been that it has given them the opportunity to have a more normal relationship with their care receiver. So when they're utilizing respite and utilizing the services, it's given them the opportunity to to have that normal relationship that may be as close as normal as they can get to what they've had with the care receiver in the past. Um, and a lot of folks have um, expressed the importance of being involved with other caregivers, so kind of providing them a connectedness and uh, to normalize the experience that they're going through uh, in caregiving for their loved one. And isolation is a true killer for family caregivers. We we don't we don't realize it because we're so deep in it that um, how how much stress isolation is putting on us. It's true, and we and we talk about that in the beginning. So when folks have an intake, they meet with a care navigator who who goes over with you know in detail what the caregiver's primary concerns are at the time, and a lot of education is given around isolation and the importance of. Staying, you know, staying in communication, if not physically, but uh, just staying in communication with people through the phone and email and all the kinds of all the kinds of ways that they can to just st so they stay connected and feel supported, or they know where to go when they uh, are having a crisis to make sure that they have a plan in place for that. Uh, so yeah, isolation is a very important topic. Well, I know we're talking about New York State, but is the Caregiver Support Initiative a national initiative? It is not a national initiative that I am aware of. I know other states have comparable programs, uh, but New York State has really very progressive in, the, in how they've dedicated so much funding to this program in New York State, with the assistance of the Alzheimer's Association, obviously, um, you know, in their constant lobbying efforts uh, in Washington, D.C. How does a caregiver reach the Caregiver Support Initiative if they're interested in participating? We have an 800 number that will basically get them in touch with our main office in uh, on SUNY campus, SUNY Plattsburgh campus, and then from there we direct them to the care navigator in whichever county it is that they're calling from. That's one way. We have advertising. <laughs> we have billboards put up all over each of the counties. Not only do people see our advertising uh, on a regional level, but we educate and um, basically meet with professionals in the community who may work with folks who are caregiving, whether it be their physician, psychologist, social worker, other area agencies on aging, the OFAs, et cetera. Um, every, everyone is made aware of our services that uh, could potentially send a referral our way. We have a website, which is wehelpcaregivers.com. We have a 1-800 number, or the Caregiver Support Line, and that number is one 800 388 0199
I think that our judges did a good job of figuring out who the winners are because this sounds like something that actually should go national. I wish that it would, and there is possibility, obviously, that it will, uh, depending on how funding is allocated uh, next year and and who uh, who goes after that funding, whether it be state departments of health or a national nonprofit agency. What are the greatest demands of a family caregiver? And when we meet with them, it's typically crisis. So they've already been caregiving for some time, and uh, they they are at the point where they need help, and they're not even sure that what kind of help they need. And so I think that at the time of intake, usually the greatest demand is they need some assistance in the home caregiving for their loved one. They need help. And one of the most important questions caregivers always ask is, how can I get funded to help my loved one as a family caregiver, and who's there to educate me? We provide both individualized one-on-one training and education in addition to uh, group or family education, if that's the way it works out, where they, where they actually meet with the care navigator who has a, uh, a pretty wide curriculum of topics on caregiving for someone with dementia. When there's 66.7 million caregivers in the country, and we all at some point think, we're the only one going through this. So once we realize we're not alone and there's somebody to walk us through the process, it takes a massive weight off our shoulders. It does, yeah. What would the one most important piece of advice that you'd like to share with family caregivers be? I think that, you know, the topic of isolation that we discussed earlier uh, is to is probably the most important thing I'd like to to share with them that there are there are many people who are going through what they're going through and it is less of a burden if you have that support in place um and so just basically to to make it known you know to to reach out to people who have been through it uh contact contact organizations like ours so we can help you navigate through the process yeah that's one of my favorite words i love the navigation system around the country caregiver navigators, but I just love the word because that's really what we need. It's really what we're looking for. It is. And and when we have one specific training that we provide early on for folks, it's basically around for diagnosis, what's next, you know, which is a lot of where people are at after they leave the doctor's office or the neurologist's offices. So my loved one's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or vascular dementia or Lewy body dementia or frontal temporal dementia. Now what do I do? What does this mean for me? And that's where we pick it up. 